0: Gardening Talk back this Monday afternoon. If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Phil from Charlestown. Now, Phil wants a tick-proof yard to protect his puppy. Phil, what sort of cute puppy have you got?
1: Uh, we just bought two little cavoodles yesterday. Oh, you're... Absolutely
2: beautiful, they are. Uh, look, I'll get your address. My daughter will be around there in a flash. Don't worry yeah, about okay. it. No <laughs> problem. She's, she's she just attracts puppies from anywhere. That's good. How can we help you, mate? I'd
1: love it. Yeah, um, my partner uh, is trying to find out how to tick-proof the yard, and I've seen on the web some uh, product that you hook up to a hose. It's like a five-litre container, and you hook it up to a hose and just spray the plants with it. And Supposed to kill fleas
2: and ticks. Yeah, so that's just going to be some sort of in, insecticide. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those ones, uh, you know, aren't available now here in Australia. The waterboard, I believe, has got a problem with backflow back into their pipes, which I always thought was a bit strange. Oh. Uh, so, look, the, oh the only other thing you could do, uh, you know, to sort of counteract that, is to get a, a pressure spray of some sort, you know, even just one of the pump ones, and just mix up a general insecticide like uh, malathon or even pyrethrum, if you wanted to, to make it a little bit more safe for the cavoodles. Yep. And you could just spray that generally around the area, around the grass uh, to try and get those grass ticks under control and even up into the trees as well. Uh, look, mm-hmm. my my brother, he was working out at Charlestown uh, actually uh, a couple of weeks ago and picked up, it was that really windy day, he picked up about three ticks on him. But it was really strange, oh, really? course, a group of, uh, like three of us had been working in the same garden mm-hmm. about four days before and, and didn't get anything. So I think, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they can just be borne around by the wind. So yes. you can only yep. make your best effort yep. uh, to try and keep them under control. And that's just by trying to spray the grass and keep those ticks under control yeah. there. Yeah, okay. Well, hopefully
1: this wind will die down eventually. yeah. Um, but anyway, I'll try that. Uh, I've got a, just bought a um, backpack sprayer, so I'll get some Malathon, you say?
2: Yeah, Malathon, or you can use pyrethrum as well. That's a nice, yeah. safe spray to use. Yep, okay. Okay, good luck with Thank the cavittles, you, mate. They're going to be very cute. Yeah, they are. Beautiful. Okay. Thanks Thank you a, you a lot, mate. Cheers, bye. Cheers, thanks, Phil. We've got
0: Julie from Womberal. 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 Yes. <laughs> thanks, I should have asked you before we went to a, that. <laughs> there was a
2: TV show named after that suburb. The Wombles of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can we help you, Julie?
3: Um, I've got a mango tree, yes. it's in flower, but something's eating the flowers, and it's not the big stems, it's the little stem ones that it's eating, so I've eliminated birds, but I don't know, I haven't seen anything around that's eating it. Have you got a sprayer I can spray on it that's bitter?
2: Yes you have look there are, there are also you can make, make up a, a chili and garlic spray if you want to you put it in the blender and blend it up and Sounds make, a, right. make up a spray I don't know it's edible mate it might yeah. be a little bit strong the way I'm thinking about getting it going right, eh? and you can spray that all over the plant uh, there's also a product called deter which has been around uh, for a long long time I remember it back in the 70s and it does work uh, it'll get rid of possums uh, birds rats all sorts of things that will actually get rid of them you know and And deter them from being on the plant so you can get that one and spray it around as well Uh, look the thing with it Julie is you have to be persistent it's not one of those things that you can do once uh, you know and it sort of scares them away you need to keep you know that that spraying up whether you're using your own mixture or deter uh, so that you know when they come around they go oh no that's not what I like um, and they hopefully won't uh, chew it up It, it could even be possums that you've got there that wouldn't be unusual.
3: But it's on the little branches. That's what made me think it's not the possums, because if they were on that, they'd break the branch. Oh, okay. It's a so, small they're, sum of them. yeah,
2: they're that thin, are they? I'd, look, I doubt yeah. it'd be grasshoppers, uh, because, you know, they just go for the leaves of the plants and, you know, make a lot do a lot of damage there. Uh, look, I'd go with making up one of those sprays, uh, like Deter or your chilli and garlic spray, and spraying that on the plant, trying to, to get rid of them that way.
3: And it
2: won't hurt the flowers? Uh, no, look, it shouldn't do that. Uh, just make sure it, with deter that you use it according to the instructions on the packet. Uh, the other thing with the flowers as well, is you have to make sure you're not going to get uh, you know, anthracnose in the mangoes, which is a fungal disease, so you have to spray with copper oxychloride or MancoZ plus. Got been there,
3: done that. Excellent. Yep.
2: Okay, because otherwise it just spreads down through the fruit and uh, makes it rot as well.
3: Oh great. Yeah. Scott, um just one more question. Yes. Um hubby bought that home a plant that a friend gave him and it smells like basil, but it's not the regular basil.
2: Yeah. Is
3: it edible?
2: Okay, smells like basil, looks like basil, tastes like basil. It's well, it, uh, No. It
3: doesn't <laughs> it, it, look like the normal basil uh, plant.
2: So it's sort of like a duller leaf on it?
3: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Now a now that, very dull leaf.
2: That's perennial basil. And what that does is it'll actually last a bit longer into winter because basil uh, will actually die down once it gets really, really cold here in Newcastle. So perennial yeah, basil it will go, reach, yeah. yeah, will go a bit longer. It might even go all the way through for you and reshoot when it gets warmer. So it hasn't quite got you know the the sweet taste that uh, you know your normal sweet basil has got, but it, it's quite yeah. a good substitute, especially once it gets colder and your sweet basil's dying off. But it's edible. Oh, most certainly, yeah. Here, go for it.
3: I didn't want to. Crow hubby, or anything. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you you need a taster. You always get him to do it before you eat it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Is there a faint smell of almonds to the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for
3: that, Scott.
2: Okay, Julie. Look after you, look Bye.
3: after your hubby. I will. Jeez, Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks, Julie. Maybe are Wombles eating a plant,
2: though? Oh, that's been, Wombles well. was... I remember Wombles. They sort of wumbled around. They were quite big and they were fat. True. And, and they just cleaned up everything they found. They were furry, too. Yeah. Yeah, you'd know if there was a womble in your mango Very tree. good recycling, though. That's right. That was the message. And how much before their time were they? Oh, that was 80s, 70s? 70s, probably, yeah. And big recycling back then. Yeah, yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Good times. Yes. <laughs> good memories. It's a Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. and Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Whitney from Thornton. She's got a question about a plum tree. How can we help you with it, Whitney?
4: Hello. Hello. Um... Uh, we bought a plum tree back um, late winter mm-hmm. from a nursery up in um, in Wingham,
3: mm-hmm.
4: near Tari. Yep. Anyway, we we bought it to home, planted it um, in line with the other fruit trees that we've recently planted as well. All the other trees are flowering and uh, sorry, uh, have leaves and buds and beginning to flower. Not the plum tree.
2: Okay, uh so what I usually do when you've got a deciduous tree that's not coming back is I just grab the secateurs secateurs, mm-hmm. and I just start on the you know furthermost extremities of the plant mm-hmm. uh there's a bit of tautology then, but I will keep going. <laughs> you just start snipping back and seeing if it's still green inside there and if it's you know brown right up the tips of the uh, the you know, the branches, you try and snip back until you find some green in there. And that's where you stop. Uh, The other thing is just to make sure it's been really, really well watered. Uh, I've had uh, some weeping cherries at work that have only just sort of budded up and uh, started to come out now. They didn't flower at all, but we've just got leaves on them now. And that's really, really unusual. It could just be because we had a bit of an unusual spring. You know, we had cold and hot and rain and then a bit more cold, all sort of lumped into one. Don't give up on it yet. Um, but, you know, in a month's time or so, I'll probably give up on it in that case.
4: Okay, (laughs) alrighty. Yeah, we were just wondering how long we should leave it before we rip it
2: out. Yeah, look, do the snip back thing, and obviously if you get all the way down and it's all brown, well, you know, pull it out of the ground and start again. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but look, give it a month. If you find some green in there and, you know, it's still not shooting, give it a month. Make sure it's been really well watered, even some liquid fertiliser, but after that, turf it.
4: Okay, Okay. beautiful. Thanks so much. Appreciate your help. Okay,
2: not a problem. Thanks, Whitney.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Brian from Gorican. He's got a question about agapanthers and lilies. Doubling up.
2: It's always good to double down when you're on, not 21. Oh, anyway, how can we help you, <laughs> Brian? You can tell I'm not a gambler, mate.
5: You guys get yourself together.
2: You okay? <laughs> how can we help um, you?
5: Agapanthers, when, they, when they've when they finished flowering, um, the little um, seed buds that are on top when it when it dies off,
2: can you... Can you grow from them? Yeah, absolutely. Sure you can. Now, look, now the way to collect them uh, is usually to get a, uh, a paper bag of some sort. And once you see those seeds start to come on there, you get a paper bag and, uh, you know, an elastic band, and you seal it up around the stem of the flower. And as those uh, seeds, um, you know, start to dry out, they'll actually just drop into the paper bag for you. Uh, don't use a plastic bag because they'll sweat a little bit too much. Uh, and that's the way you can collect the seed. Now, when you're growing a seed from any plant, uh, you know it's a bit like humans. Uh, you know, there's going to be a difference. Uh, so you just have to be a little bit careful about that. Uh, you know, because uh, you can get a sport. You know, you, maybe you might plant something and you get a blue flower or a white flower. So things can change when you're growing from seed. Yeah.
5: Okay. But mate, and the, a, um, I don't know what they're called, but we got a big lilies. They they got a big red, big red lily. Uh, they're red with a white. On them, oh, yeah, they're yeah. actually out
2: now. Yeah, they're called astrums, mate.
5: Yeah, and when when they die off, uh, you cut the uh, the stalk right to the ground.
2: Yeah, now with hippiastrums and it's the same with a rule of thumb with any bulb is even though the flower is dead, you still sort of let the uh, the leaves go there until they've died right off as well. Because what, oh, I see. what yeah. that's actually doing is the leaves are actually feeding the bulb for next year, and you know making more little bulbs so they split off and get bigger for you.
5: Yeah, that's
2: it. That's right. So, yep, you can cut off the flower stem if you want, but leave the leaves there until they mm-hmm. die off completely, and that's when you can clean it up, because they're actually yeah. Yeah, giving energy to the bulb in under the ground. Yeah, okay, thank you. Okay, cheers, Brian, thank you.
0: Bye. Bye. Thanks very much, Brian. And we've got Steve from Gateshead now, and he's got a question about strawberries. How can we help you, Steve? Yeah,
5: g'day, mate. Um, I've just got a small, small uh, raised garden bed in the backyard, four foot square, and it's got about a foot up. And it's full of strawberries at the moment. I've grown plenty of things in there, but um, yeah, strawberries are just pumping at the moment. But some every time I'd come to get them, just they're nearly ripe. Well, I've been eating them, but some are got half ripe, and then I'd leave them for another day, and the next day I'd come in, and there's holes bit eaten in them, and I've been looking in them, and there's little tiny ants in there. Right. Okay. Uh,
2: look. At it... It may be that the answer, are even just coming up because it's been chewed by something else, by a snail or you know even a rodent of some mm. sort in the garden. There was
5: a slug yeah. in one of them, yeah. but, Um they look really healthy, and I've got massive... I've been, since I've been flowering and stuff, I've been hitting them with potash.
2: So oh, great, great.
5: They've just been pumping. Oh, they're just getting bigger and bigger. The more they come on, the bigger they get. And I don't want to lose them all. <laughs> they're looking that good, but... Um, Maybe if I deal with the spray... I turned the Gardener show on the other day on TV, and on-come the bloke to spray your vegetables with the garlic and... Chili spray. Yeah, look,
2: you can certainly do that. The other thing you can do if you've just got ants there and you want to get rid of those is you can mix up a pyrethrum spray as well because it's safe to use on edible plants. Yeah, uh, and so you can eat them. You know, not straight away, but you know there'll be a withholding period on the packet. What, twenty-four hours yeah. or something like so that. It's yeah. only very yeah. short with pyrethrum because it's naturally based, and that'll get yeah. rid of the ants for you. Uh, look, the other thing you can do is just put some snail bait around just to make sure that there's no snails or slugs in the area. And yeah, I've got some little pellets in that. So, do yeah, give those a try. The other uh, story I've heard is as well, is you can put a mulch like uh, straw or sugarcane mulch I've down. got
5: sugarcane mulch down, yep. so the strawberries are sitting on it it's a couple inches thick, so uh-huh. I've, I've done all that. Because apparently the um,
2: snails don't like going over the top of it. it tickles their belly nah, or something. No, the snails
5: like aren't that. going on there. Nothing's eating the leaves and everything. As yeah, okay. soon as the fruits come on and they're just about fully ready to pick, yeah. I can see them and I'll say, oh, they'll be right tomorrow with a good day of sun. They'll be, they're just about, they're pinkish and and not fully ripe, you know what I mean? But then they, I'll leave them the extra day and the puckers are eating holes in them. It's like someone's got a little watermelon baller, yeah. a tiny one, and taking out a little ball, perfect little... <laughs> Piece out of it. I think you're yeah, mongrels. What
2: are you? <laughs> so look, yeah, I'd use the pyrethrum spray. Even if you've got any caterpillars there, mate, as well, mate, it's going. The pyrethrum's going to get those under control as well for you.
5: Yeah, I've got plenty of the good bugs around. The little fly and that is yep. there. The one that hovers with the striped back on it. Oh,
2: um, yeah, yeah, it's like a little native bee sort of thing. Or
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. he eats nail and stuff, eating aphids and whatever else is. So it's, they're looking pretty good. It's just the fruits when they come on. I've got to be standing there watching them, so I can pick them when they're right. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'll try to pirate them anyway. I'm in that field anyway, so I've just done a bit of landscaping and horticulture stuff. So I've um, just done a third three in it, so I'm familiar with it. I just wanted your opinion about it, that's okay, all. Okay,
2: great, man. Okay, okay thank, thank you, you very Steve. much. Good luck with it, mate. Thanks. Cheers. Okay, Bye. thanks. Bye.
0: Bye. Best of luck, Steve. Well, hopefully he gets that sorted out with your
2: strawberries. I hope he does. So we can make some daiquiris or some smoothies. Exactly right. You always what? go to food, don't you? Mm. Food like Could you pick that. them a day earlier, though? You could, but strawberries, I, you know, I like them when they're really, really sweet. You know, when you get them that little bit harder, they're not good for me. Okay. It's like the banana. <laughs> you, know, you know me and the banana. And the not a, it's not a good story. No, it's, it's okay there. Pointy objects with yeah. you is just a no-no. Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and we've got Maureen from Hamelin Terrace, and she's asking about weed killers that won't affect a dog. Hey, Maureen,
2: what sort of dog have you got?
4: Hello, I've got a Cavalier King Charles.
2: Yeah, so a little low wheelbase on, on those, haven't they?
4: Actually, she's not a small one. She's quite large.
2: She's,
4: <laughs> she, she's getting old like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's not like the the Doberman's got a high wheelbase. That's the way I like to think about the Doberman. But yeah, uh, Okay. <laughs> How can we help you?
4: Uh, well, yes, look, I've got quite a, a a decent-sized garden to look after, and I've got the, the brick pathways that have been laid, and, um, of course, I'm, I'm getting a lot of weeds, and um, I'd really like um, a, a recipe or a... a Brand that you can recommend that's dog friendly because being a spaniel, she's quite, um, you know, licky and smell, you know, into smells and stuff. So I just don't want to do anything that'll make her ill, of course.
2: Yeah, okay. Look, I'm I'm not a vet. But, like, <laughs> I can comment about using glyphosate uh, because, and that's Roundup, up uh, you know, Zero, or that's all exactly the same sort of chemical, and and I can comment on the material safety data sheet on it, the MSDS, and uh-huh. the MSDS for uh, you know humans and using around humans is that it's very very safe chemical to use. It's you know it only actually works on the leaves of the plants. It's neutralised once it hits the ground, and I would say for you with a dog, uh, you could spray. Uh-huh. Keep the dog inside, but once it's dried, it's you know, there's going to be no problem whatsoever there. Oh,
4: okay, I have heard that, but I was really a little bit nervous about it. So, what would you recommend then? Roundup or
2: zero, they're all exactly the same. It's the product's called glyphosate 360, which is the chemical inside there. Uh, look, I, I safely use it around my dogs. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're still kicking, they're still digging, they're still <laughs> chewing stuff up. Uh, they're still, yeah, anyway.
4: Okay. They're
2: okay. How do you spell that? Uh, Sorry? Glyphosate, G-L-Y-P-H-O-S-A-T-E. Well done. Okay. Oh, I'm going to go to spelling bee. I can take on some, <laughs> some little 11-year-old well, kids. <laughs>
4: We can get up into the nursery to buy something and pick up, you know, something that sounds the same, and of course bring it home, and it might not be the same. So,
2: look, essentially, if you go and get zero or round up, you're going to be buying that product.
4: And and as long as the leaves are dry before the dog gets to them, that
2: would be my proviso. Yeah.
4: Oh, okay. Well, I did wonder about that, but I've been very nervous about it, (laughs) so I just, you know. and just don't want to do anything that will harm her, of no, course. No, no, it's
2: okay so. to be nervous when you've got a cute little dog like that.
4: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very grateful for your help, Scott. Thank you very That's much. That's
2: all right. Thank you, Maureen.
4: Thank you. Bye-bye, Bye-bye. now.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Maureen. We've got Brian now from Valentine, and he's got another question in regards to strawberries. Uh, how can we help you, Brian? G'day, Scott. G'day,
1: Greg. Nice talking to you again. Um, I was only... Going to comment on a gentleman who rang just previously about something eating his strawberries, yep. now mine are in the ground right down on the ground. Mm-hmm. I've caught blue tongue lizards in there twice now, and they're just sitting there as you know they they're not real scared of you and just eating the strawberry yeah so I- I'm one. Wondering-
2: Sorry, I've I've heard exactly the same story about blue tongue lizards loving the strawberries as well. They love snails too, so that's another great. Yeah. So that's another good reason to have them in the it's garden. Bonus. Yeah, it
0: yeah. sounded. It
2: sounded um, pardon me, that Steve it sounded like they were almost little tiny little bore holes in the strawberry. So I'm thinking the yeah. uh, the blue tongue's tongue might be a bit bigger than that. Possibly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> unless you've actually seen the bitten part, you you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to. Sort of put your finger on it, I know, but that was—I was just kind to throw that in the pot, just for
2: yeah. a thought. Yeah, but look, that's great, and it's great that they're in your garden, and it's good that you're feeding them nicely as well. Yeah,
1: the trouble is they get more than we do. <laughs> right. Good talk to you, Scott. I okay,
0: Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Cheers, thanks, Brian. It's absolute strawberries on the brain today. We've got Kay from Swan Bay, and she might have some more information about what's eating the strawberries. Yeah, I,
2: I love this. People ring in, and they've got really good ideas. How can we help you, Kay?
3: Uh, yes, I just wanted
6: to let you know that when we've grown strawberries before and once they get ripe, the on eat them.
2: Ah, now that's like a big, yeah. is that like a big the magpie? Big, uh, the, the big black and white birds, oh, yeah. big magpie, aren't they? Uh,
6: yeah, I've seen them eating other red berries as well, so I, I think, you know, maybe they're attracted to the red colour when okay. when it comes
2: out, yeah. Well, I mean, this would be fantastic if the Currajong's headed down to Valentine to fight, you know, there'd be an <laughs> argument because we're in the yeah. blue tongues and the Currajong. Who would come off? It's like alien I'm not v. sure. I don't,
6: I don't think I'd like to pick on the Currajong
2: myself. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're quite <laughs> nice bird, aren't they?
6: They are. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Okay, look, well, thank you very much for that.
6: No worries. <laughs> Appreciate okay. it. Thank you, Kay. Uh, bye.
0: Cheers, thanks, Katie's He's guarding talk back on 2NURFM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Now, Scott, you mentioned a few plants a bit earlier in the program.
2: Yes, I did. I was going to talk about happy plants. Happy plants, that's yes, right. It's not the sort of happy plants that people had back in the 70s. <laughs> yes, of course, they're a little bit different. They are a little bit different, uh, but people did have... The, these wood plants were around in the 70s, though, and usually in people's homes. Oh, all right, Yeah, they're, it's also called dracaena. They're a fantastic indoor plant. Um, people also call them uh, dumb canes. I've heard them as well. Dumb canes. Dumb canes, yeah, because they have like a, a woody cane, and then the green heads come out from there. So they look really, really you know, attractive, yep. and they're very good in low-light conditions. Uh, they actually come from tropical Africa. And I did some uh, research about tropical Africa today. I didn't actually know too much about it, so they come from Mozambique. Yep. Uh, Whereabouts is that in Africa? uh, It's on the right-hand side and sort of this down towards South Africa and then moving up through Zimbabwe. It's actually quite mountainous there. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it. I didn't know know that either. Yeah. And these plants, even though they like warm conditions, they grow in the upland regions uh, between about 1,900 and 7,000 feet. So that was really quite odd. I thought a plant that lives in a tropical area can grow up so high, because I mean, that's Mount Kilimanjaro and all those places. Okay. Yeah, we can
0: have glaciers, even though it's, you know... So plants aren't usually regular occurrences up there. No, no.
2: So I thought this was quite odd. Uh, Look, they make a fantastic indoor plant. They like to be uh, you know, above, uh, you know, about 15 degrees. So Newcastle's winter, yeah, they're going to do okay. Uh, you wouldn't put them out in a cold wind, though. They don't like that too much. But as an indoor plant, uh, very, very easy to look after. Uh, if they start to get too tall and that woody cane gets too high, you just cut it, Yep. and then you'll get new shoots coming out from there. And if you're really, really clever, you can get the cane that you've cut off and stick it in the ground, and it'll reshoot for you Oh, well. wow. Yeah. I love so when plants do that. It's just like the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Sporting itself. The magic pudding.
0: Okay, let's stop there. Okay. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are If you've got any calls for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. We've got Nolene from Raymer Terrace. Now, she's got a question in regards to New Zealand Christmas bushes. How can we help you with them, Nolene?
3: Well, at the moment, it's in a cut down wheelie bin, and I want <laughs> to know about transplanting it and uh, how big it grows. And where is the best place to
2: put it? Okay. Now, we've got a question. Is the garbage truck out the front at the moment? (laughs) Because you've got to rush out there and stop it. (laughs) Uh, So, look, New Zealand Christmas bush, yeah. Uh, How did you transplant? Did you dig out as much soil as you possibly could? Uh, uh,
3: Well, it was given to me like
2: this. Okay. So, I'd be getting it in the ground as as soon as as you possibly can. Uh, They really like to be in a full sun position. Yeah, Uh,
3: well... it, where I want, I was hoping to put it, is at the end of the house, but it gets full sun in the morning yeah. up until after, uh, after lunch.
2: Yep, perfect place for it. I'd be sticking it in right there. Uh, so now with any plant that you transplant, transplanted, make sure you water it really, really yeah. well for the first, you know, uh, three weeks or so yeah. until um, those roots start to spread out you might even have to stake it if it's i'm not sure how big it is but um you know you might have to even stake it well it looked a it... little
3: bit funny at first but uh, before it started getting its new shoots on it looks pretty healthy at the moment oh, but I, well, I didn't want to leave it in this um uh, garbage bin for too long in case it you know, it'll
2: get root bound. Well, you could you could start a new trend or something. You know, people <laughs> just planting stuff in their wheelie bins, and if <laughs> yeah, you can transport it around, if you want your plant somewhere else, you just move it. You know, up the driveway. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way hey, why would it come me? <laughs> You want it moved to the next door neighbour, the truck just comes along and moves it there for you, but they don't tip it though. Uh, It's
3: it's got flowers on too. It started to
2: flower too. Oh, okay. Look, you are looking after it. So get it in the ground as soon as possible. Make sure you're watering it really, really well. Uh, Look, uh, New Zealand Christmas bush, they get red flowers on them. They can get up to about three metres, some varieties. There are dwarf varieties you can get as well. Uh, and, uh, look, really tough plant. Uh, you can prune them, you can shape them, you can do whatever you want with them, and they'll stand wind, frost, uh, really dry conditions, uh, a great yeah. plant to have in the garden.
3: Uh what about the fertiliser?
2: Yeah, so with fertiliser, uh, look, you can use pretty much anything on them. Uh, Bounce Brack is a very good product. It's a pelletised manure, and you could use that uh, two or three times a year on your New Darling Zealand Christmas uh, yeah If you've got some of that, you might as well use that. Yep. Okay, not as good as Bounce Back, but give it a try.
3: Okay. Okay. Right, thank you very I'm much. Not a
2: problem. Thank you very much, Nolene. Have a good day. You too,
0: bye Cheers. I'm loving that idea of putting plants in whirly bins That's a great idea. It is. We should be painting this. We should, um, surely someone's already thought of it.
2: Well, well oh, Nolene might have thought of it before us, right. <laughs> Might have mistakenly thought of it before us. Yeah, but we were the one who. We're going to cash in on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nolene. You can
0: move it around. Yeah. It's a great idea. Well, we'll toss us something just to for coming. Oh, yeah. Just some silence money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, I think. Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Marion from Maryland, and she's got another suggestion about what might be eating strawberries. What do you reckon it might be, Marion?
6: Well, we actually found the culprit inside the strawberry, and uh-huh. it's a, a thin black slug,
2: Ooh.
6: or a leech, or whatever. But it was it was quite thin, about two inches long, and it was curled up inside. and
2: okay.
6: um, Yeah. So it might be a little just,
2: a little baby slug or something like that, because I wouldn't think that leeches would um, want to do. No, no you yeah. think
6: they're more a bloodsucker rather than a, they'd, a vegetable. They'd yeah.
2: see the red <laughs> and then they'd realize their they're Yeah. Oh, that's not blood, but it <laughs> tastes so good. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, several of them were curled up inside different strawberries, okay. so, so it wasn't just a one-off.
2: So, uh, so for Steve, it Gates it. I think uh, you know, possibly uh, you know the snail and slug pellets mm-hmm. around there would probably try and get that under control for him. Be very either
6: helpful. that, or either that, or just sawdust.
2: Yeah, sawdust. Sort of. So, yeah, that's I recommended oh. um, uh, a sugar cane mulch for the strawberries because apparently they yeah. don't like crawling over it.
6: No, they don't. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I have pets, so I don't like slugging stale. Yeah,
2: sure. Yeah. So, okay.
6: <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay,
2: we appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, bye. You know that there actually are, uh, I didn't realise this until a couple of years ago, that there's actually medical leeches. Medical, medical leeches, yeah. yeah. So that if you've got a, like a gangrenous wound or you know, upper end your ear, st- they still use them. Yeah, they still use them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. If you've got a, an area like around your earlobe where your blood flow is not good, or, or your hands, I'll actually put yep. them on there and it increases the blood flow. Wow, I did not know that. Yep. I just thought that was.
0: No, no, they still use them. Medieval mumbo jumbo. No, no, they, they fly them in specially. And now it's they still use them. Yeah, they still use them. Wow, yeah. you learn something every week on this show, oh, thank even you. if it's not about garping. <laughs> now we've got Marcia from Cardiff, and she's got a question about hydrangeas. How can we help you with them, Marcia?
3: Oh, hello, Scott. Look,
6: um, I'd like to
3: know how to transplant some hydrangeas or take cuttings to strike them. Just, of course, a friend of mine has a beautiful bunch in her garden, and I just want to be able to transfer some so I can have some in my garden.
2: Yeah, so hydrangeas are really, really easy to take cuttings from. Uh, You can transplant them as well. Uh, It's probably not the time to transplant now because, you know, they're all budding up and getting ready to come into flower. And plants generally don't like being transplanted when they're in that state Uh, because usually, you know, you disturb the root system a little bit and then something's going to, you know, suffer on the plant and usually that's the flowers. Uh, So if you're going to transplant them, you know, you might wait till the flowering's finished. But you can take cuttings now if you want to. Uh, now, with hydrangeas, you just start, and with most plants, in fact, you take a cutting just where, you know, it's woody, but just where it's sort of turning green up towards the uh, the top or it's green and it's just starting to turn to wood. That's where you take your cutting from.
3: Okay, so how long, how, what sort of length?
2: Oh, look, not, not very long at all. And you'll find with hydrangeas is that there's a very definite bud node on them. So what you would do is sort of take your cutting and place that bud node sort of in the middle of the cutting so from the yeah so from sort of just the top of one bud node and then take in one bud node over the top of that one stick that in the ground into a uh, propagation mix and water as normal you can also use a, a rooting powder if you'd like to um, people get embarrassed when they come in and ask for that for some reason I don't know why but you can use a propagation powder and uh, you can dip that in there and that will actually help the uh, plants to form roots
3: Do I do this in a pot just to get them going or can I put them straight into the
2: ground? I think it's best to put them in a pot uh, because you can actually have them near the tap where you're going to water them. Uh, And you can also just keep them out of the sun as well. So you might, uh, you know, put them, uh, you know, on the side of the house under the veranda or something like that where they're not in the full sun but they're getting plenty of light. Uh, Just water them as normal and hopefully you'll get some uh, strikes from that. That
3: sounds great. Okay, thank you
2: so much for your help. Not a problem. Thank you, Marcia. Okay, bye. We've got Hans from Boorigal,
0: and he's got a question about myrtle trees. How can we help you, Hans? Oh,
1: hello. Uh, we have a, uh, it's a great myrtle tree that, uh, that's starting to grow again and whatever. Uh, but, um, well, the uh, this nice new sprigs that the cockatoos don't eat, or off it, I should say. Um, uh, the other ones, they, they've got like a white kind of mouldy kind of stuff on it. I wonder what it is and what could I do about it.
2: Yeah, crepe myrtles can get a, a downy mildew, so you're going to have to use uh, some sort of fungicide on that. Hans, have you got anything at home, mate?
1: Uh, oh, I could have a look through the uh, through the, in the shed or something to see what I can yeah. find, but I don't know uh, Um... There's a fungicide
2: do you Yeah, so you need to look. There's one called copper oxychloride, or there's another one called mancazeb plus, and they're both excellent fungicides. Uh, they're a little powder, and you mix them up, and they'll actually leave a residue on the plant uh, after okay. you've sprayed, and that will pre- protect the plant uh, further on into the future as well. Uh, so, look, you need to do that to try and get the downy mildew under control. I think Manco Z plus is probably going to be the best one for you. The mancazeb plus, yeah,
1: mancazeb okay. plus, yeah. All right, okay, well, yeah, they look they thanks do get it, and
2: they do get it. Unfortunately, with the uh, the humidity here in Newcastle, and you know it's going to get only more humid. Uh, it does get worse on the uh, crape myrtles. Oh, okay, yeah, right. I, I, it's not done it before.
1: It's only just this year's update. it? Because uh, it's been there for uh, ten or fifteen years or something, I suppose. Yeah, look,
2: it's it's not your fault, mate. Uh, look, they just these spores just get you know born around in the winds. Uh, so yeah, right. you know, They just get blown around. They land on your plant. And they go, ha ha. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. And off they right. go. Yeah. yeah.
1: And they beat the uh, beat
2: the cockatoos to it, hey? Yeah. <laughs> God, they make a mess. Okay, <laughs> hey, thank you
0: very much. Okay, thanks, Hans. Cheers, thanks, Hans. We've got David from Aberglassen. He's got a question about
2: tomatoes. How can we help you with them? Hello, Scott. Hey, David, how can we help you? Oh,
1: uh, good, mate. Um, I've got a compost bin up here, and it's probably got, I don't know, three or 400 tomatoes uh, in it. I, I've change them around a bit, mm-hmm. and the number three bin's ready to uh, have some compost and put in. Would those tomatoes be all right to put in there?
2: They certainly would be. Um, the only thing I can think of is, you know, so many, they might slightly acidify it for you, and there's going to be a lot of seed in there as well, so you'd have to leave them in there a long time to to try and sterilise that seed.
1: Yeah, they haven't got the seed, and that's, that's how they've came here through the seed from before.
2: Right, Yeah, okay.
1: all right, I was just worried that uh, there might have been a disease or something, but they're all nice and clean, so... Uh, yep. Yeah. Gentlemen with the um, uh, strawberries, yes. uh, I had the same problem up here. And uh, anyway, long story short, the um, king parrots uh, have a feast on them every second day.
2: Yeah, look, it's just nature's It's carawongs, it's blue tongue lizards, it's king slugs. parrots, slugs. Yeah, that's not so you know, exciting, <laughs> though, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're looking after the wildlife. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, okay. thanks for that. Cheers. Thank you. And slugs, okay, can't, slugs can't fly either. Can't they? No. Well,. Not that we know of. No, if I find them, though, I toss them out on the road, so... Well, that's what well, they do fly. I've got f- cruel ways of getting rid of uh, bad insects in the garden, they haven't do. I? Yeah.
0: It's, toss them aside, or are you cutting off heads? Yeah, well, it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's one evil thing after another, yeah? <laughs> it is Halloween. <laughs> it, well, fair enough, it is Halloween. Uh, we've got Kevin now from Morpeth, and he's got some information about dumb cane that can cause an allergic reaction. Yes,
2: how can we help you with it, Kevin?
1: Yeah, I don't know whether you're aware of that, um, but... I had a couple of kids and never had any reaction to it, but I had uh, relations over. And uh, the little fellow basically went into anaphylactic shock and finished up in hospital. Um, obviously, it doesn't affect everybody, but it can affect some people.
2: Yeah, so look, and I think you're talking about deaf and bark here there. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, deaf yeah, and bark, here, yeah, it can be quite toxic. So, yeah, it's not one that you're going to stick in your mouth and, uh, and chew on. And the other thing, you wouldn't even want the sap, uh, you know, sort of rubbing against you as well. I think it can be quite irritating.
1: I think that's what he did. I think he broke off a off a piece of one of the leaves, and um, I don't know whether he put it in his mouth. was only a
5: little fellow, about three or four at the yeah. time. But uh, he he did finish up in hospital, so yeah, I think that's
2: something people should be aware of. Yeah, look, and I and my message to people often come into the nursery, and you know they say, oh, you know this plant's you know toxic, that plant's toxic, and I go, well, hang on, hang on, um, you know. Almost every plant in the garden is toxic, you know, to some degree. Uh, The best situation is to try and educate your kids. You know, don't put any plants in your mouth full stop you know it's just the best way to do it and especially yeah like you were saying deaf and bark ears uh they are you know a, a, you know a bad one um, but you know they'll grow in your house you know they're not going to jump out and uh, you know from behind the drawer and get you uh, you just don't <laughs> stick them in your mouth or you know get the sap on you so always good to be educating uh, your kids your grandkids uh you know don't put any plants in your mouth because pretty much anything out there is toxic in some way
1: and good luck getting your kids to do what you tell
2: them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a 15-year-old at the moment, and uh, it's a whole different story.
1: <laughs> well, I know better than you do now.
2: <laughs> no, twice as better as I do, apparently. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Okay, okay, bye. Thanks for your call, Kevin. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks,
0: Kevin. Here's gardening talk back on to you when you are at FM. And Scott, I think we've got time for one more caller. Okay. Anna, sue from Wall's End. Now, sue has got a question about green grub, green grub on tomato <laughs> <laughs> plants.
2: Oh, they're going to turn into t- cute little moths eventually, Sue.
0: Lovely. <laughs> but
2: the downside is they're going to do a whole lot of damage to your tomatoes on the way through.
6: Yes. They're called hornworms, are they?
2: Yes, yeah.
6: Yeah. I, um, I sort of. We, we had them last year as well. Yet previously, we only shifted here 12 months ago from five minutes down the road. Mm-hmm. Grew tomatoes for years, never saw them. Since we've been up here, every time we grow tomatoes, we're getting them. <laughs> so. And picking them off, but oh my goodness, it's a never-ending job.
2: Yeah, look, the the only other thing you can do is mix up a pyrethrum spray and spray that around. You know, it's it's non-toxic, uh, so you can safely use that on your tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to use something a little bit harsher, uh, you can use Malathon. It'll work as well for you. Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, the scissors, cut them in half or whatever. Um, but yeah, look, they will do a lot of damage if you let them go.
6: Yes. All right then. Okay. Thank you so okay. much. Good luck, for luck that. with it.
2: Yep. Give the Pyrethrum a go and see if you can keep them under control. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Not a problem. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Sue. It is a gardening talk back on two and you wire at a Scott, we are almost out of time. What a great show we've had today.
2: We've had so many lovely callers, haven't we? Exactly
0: right. So many people ring up at strawberries. That yep. was a hot topic for the day. It was, yeah, and always a good thing. Very good, it was a very good thing. Yeah, I I love throwing in their own two cents. I love
2: when people do that. It is. I think we got to the bottom of it though. We did, and we found out that uh, lots of different wonderful animals like them as well. Like strawberries as well. Yeah, including you and I. Exactly. Are we actually agreeing on something? Yeah. Oh, we both like strawberries. High five. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's the best high five I've had all day. Scott Sharp, before we do a wrap up for the day, is there anything else you'd like to throw at us?
2: Well, I was just going to quickly talk about agapanthus because. As we know at this point in time, the Agapanthers are all flowering around yep. Newcastle. They're starting to come up, but there's dastardly fiends out there that come along in the middle of the night and break those beautiful flowers off and we don't get to appreciate the lovely oh, blues okay. Who whites. are these fiends? Well, I was thinking we should find out who they are. And I was thinking we should start up some sort of Agapanthers okay. vigilante squad where we go around the can neighborhood. Can
0: do stakeouts? We can do stakeouts. <laughs> yeah, we, just,
2: we go around the neighborhood at night with um, you know, like infrared goggles and stuff yep. like that and see who's doing it. It's probably drunk people. We're probably going to find out. So if we hung around certain clubs and pubs, I'm sure that we'd find out. You would find some hot spots where... That's disappointing, isn't it? It is disappointing. The other thing with agapanthus... I thought it was going to be something more exciting, like a panther or something, but... Oh, well, I suppose we'd tie one of those up as well. (laughs) (laughs) Agapanthus, yes, they are all out in flower at the moment. They're a fantastic-looking plant. Uh, I've noticed with some uh, people's gardens that they are getting mealybug deep down inside, and that's when you sort of get this white, almost sort of talcum powder look all over them. The leaves start to uh, curl up. Now, to get rid of that, you need to get a product called insect and mite killer, mix it up in the watering can and actually drench deep down uh, inside the agapanthus to try and keep that under control because you want them to uh, flower as much as possible so that we can come around and patrol near your place. And fix them up. And fix them up and keep them all nice and healthy looking.
0: Very good. Now, Scott, we've still got a little bit more time left up our sleeve.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, The other thing I might talk about today is that uh, gardenias are all budding up at the moment. Uh, And look, what happens when gardenias are a little bit unhappy uh, you know, that they bud up, but that's sort of sucking all the nutrient out of the soil and they'll start to drop their yellow leaves. So, to uh, keep them looking nice and healthy at the moment, if they're in the ground, uh, you need to use cow manure. You can also use uh, iron chalates on those to keep the leaves from yellowing. Oh, very good.
0: Scott Sharp, thank you very much. That is all. Thank you. Cheers.
2: I'll catch you next Monday. Jude, next week. I've got an exam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jude, next week. Okay. Looking forward to it. Okay. Thank you.